Welcome to another episode of Anecdotal Evidence, the podcast series sponsored by the American Institute of Dental Public Health. I'm your host, Annalise Cothran, and I'm glad you decided to tune in this week. Anecdotal Evidence is a public health-oriented podcast inviting leaders in oral health and public health to share their stories. Focusing on topics like multi-sector collaboration, conversations with national leaders invite bold and innovative responses to emerging public health trends. Dr. Baker Harrell, CEO and founder of It's Time Texas, joined me on this week's episode to discuss the concept of radical collaboration. Baker's background and expertise in new media, social movement theory, and health marketing drive the efforts of It's Time Texas. This year, It's Time Texas will impact the health of more than 5 million Texans in over 550 communities. Baker's philosophy of empowering people to initiate pro-social change is reflected in the work of his organization and supported his interdisciplinary doctoral research, which focused on the intersection of social movement studies, social marketing, and public health. Today, he shares his thoughts on how organizations can seek out and leverage multi-sector collaboration to foster organizational growth and create shared impact. So I'm here today with Baker Harrell, the executive director of It's Time Texas. Thank you for joining me today, Baker. I'm really excited to get this conversation started. Yeah, thanks, Annalise. Really excited to join you as well. So today we're going to be talking about collaboration, and this is something that Baker does very well through his organization, It's Time Texas. And I like to start off these podcasts by um, asking our guests sort of their personal approach or personal theory on the topic. And since today we're talking about collaboration, could you start us off by talking about uh, your personal approach to collaboration? Yeah, Annalise, I, I think we met uh, at a at a at a meeting, a small group meeting, in which I was asked uh, to to talk to a degree about collaboration, about this very topic, and I encouraged the largely public health community uh, that was assembled there to really lean into being radically collaborative. Um, this this whole notion of radical collaboration. Um, that really starts with the other uh, in mind and and leads with a real interest in getting to understand, getting to know, uh, to build really strong, authentic relationships with others, whether that be uh, the community that you're intending to serve uh, and or other organizations that can be traditional and non-traditional that can be uh, very helpful in that work. So for us at It's Time Texas, the the topic of collaboration is not something that we just sort of think about as one of many things that are important to the work that we're doing to improve health in the state. It's, It's core to who we are. It's fundamental to our mission. Um, which is a collective mission, which is a, a social change mission. So when we talk about collaboration, it's it's not it's not just a, a nice thing to do. Uh, it's not just a, a tactic. It's it's fundamental to who we are. And we think that 
um, in order to solve these very large, intractable, very pernicious, complex uh, public health challenges, we all have to be more radically collaborative. We have to lean into uh, what's in it for the other and how do we get to understand the other so that the other becomes our friend, um, our fellow traveler on this, this collective journey to improve health for people. Yeah, I like that. I I have never heard anybody describe radical collaboration before. I'm really interested in that concept. Um, and as I was looking at your website on It's Time Texas, if you scroll down to the homepage and look at our impact, it really shows you know a, over a million individuals activated, 550 communities enlisted, 3,500 schools and organizations engaged, 50 plus statewide partners united. Those are huge numbers, and those indicate a lot of groundwork that you've, you've had to lay around collaboration. So yeah. I, I think what's interesting too is you brought up multi-sector collaboration, because these partners are not all just health partners or public health partners. That's so right. how have you had to leverage, uh, leverage multi-sector collaboration to engage these partners? Yeah, the, the, the only way that you have the kind of impact that we've had in the short time that we've existed as an organization, so a little over four years, um, and the only way that you're able to do that work in a very large state like Texas is to be radically collaborative, to seek out partners uh, across sectors uh, and at every level. Um, and so you know, for us, again, it always starts with really trying to understand the needs, uh, understand the motivations, understand the objectives, understand the challenges of that prospective partner. Again, whether that's an individual or an organization or an institution, uh, to really understand what uh, their needs are and their motivations are so that we can, as a prospective partner, uh, collaborator, um, ensure that we're capable of being a great long-term partner to them uh, right. in a, a deep relationship. You know, all relationships are built on, mute, strong relationships are built on mutual understanding, they're built right. on trust, they're built on mutual respect. Um, and so we have to humble ourselves. Uh, that's, that's how we approach every new partnership or, or collaboration. We, we try to enter into that very humbly asking a lot of questions that yeah. the questions don't uh, revolve around us and our priorities, uh, and our short-term interests. The, the questions initially start with, who are you? Sure. Um, what, what are you about? What are your needs? And how can we help you? How can we support you? Um, and that, to me, is uh, is somewhat radical uh, right. in in our space. Um, so it sounds like you're looking to sort of flip the traditional dynamic around. Instead of instead of thinking about what that organization or that partner or that individual can do for you, rather you approach it in what we can do for them, what your organization can bring to the table for them. And I think that that's a really important narrative. And my question is, in, in terms of multi-sector collaboration, it's really difficult to figure out exactly how to approach 
that question, who you are. How can we find the shared vision and goals together? So I know you have a lot of partners. Maybe you could give an example of, of how you've approached a partner from that different dynamic and maybe give an example of that success in leveraging the multi-sector piece. Yeah, I, I think I'll start with um, HEB. Um, so HEB is is the, the state's, uh, in Texas, uh, the state's largest grocer. I love um, HEB. Yeah, we are <laughs> big Texas fans of Texas. HEB. Yeah. We love HEB. <laughs> yeah, your national audience may not uh, know who HEB is, but they're an incredible company, um, deeply committed to their people uh, and to their customers and the communities in which they operate. So when we were first uh, envisioning what uh, It's Time Texas would become um, before we had created It's Time Texas, we, we thought that we needed to really uh, understand Texas's corporate community and try to engage Texas's corporate community because we felt like the public health sector, while in some cases had uh, had had done a good job of, of creating partnerships with with the corporate sector. By and large, um, corporate sector was often viewed as um, those that we were ultimately to work against. Um, right, that, that scary. Were, were responsible for many of the the public health ills right. uh, that those of us in public health seek to address. And in some cases, that's certainly the case. But in, in our view, in my view. Uh, in most cases, that's not. And so we um, we began to have conversations with HEB about this bold vision of a, of a movement in Texas to, to improve health. And they shared that view. They felt like they were part of that movement and could do so much more if they were aligned with us and other organizations that um, we're at the vanguard of that movement that we're trying to, to organize and accelerate it. And so we started working with them um, in a very, very deep way. Um, they, they became an investor in what would become its time Texas. But much more than that, uh, they served on our board and helped us with our strategy. They provided right. consumer data um, right. to help us understand what Texas consumers, especially low to mid-income consumers were interested in and what they were struggling with and how we might incorporate that into our work. So they, they shared invaluable information that we otherwise wouldn't have access to. And we in turn helped them, um, and this really is the sort of radical collaborative, uh, mm -hmm. radically collaborative part, um, we helped them uh, really think about how to, to be a better um, corporate citizen, how to really make a difference uh, in the health of their employees and the health of their their communities and customers. And, and it sounds like, you know, your approach was to find the best, most mutually beneficial space for you to start that conversation in and then look for ways not to take the credit, but rather work towards your share values. So yeah. it's, it sounds like this really isn't so much about, you know, figuring out uh, the partnership that's necessarily the most financially beneficial, but it's it's a bigger strategy than than just that initial infrastructure. So it became very informative for us as well as for HEB about how to structure this work and creating a model for us to engage other non-traditional partners. Um, right. And so that the, the next 
uh, initial partner we called our what we called our founding allies. We wanted to use the term ally mm-hmm. as opposed to partner or or sponsor or investor. Um, we were very intentional in that because we looked at this as an aligned uh, an, an allied uh, effort that would take many years uh, to to develop and then and then jointly uh, advance. Um, and so that the next founding ally was Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas. Um, and so you know again we 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 very intentionally looked for traditional and non-traditional partners who shared our values, shared our commitment to Texans in Texas, and were interested in innovation. We're interested in um, doing things differently uh, with collaboration and partnership as core to what made this effort and what has made and will make this effort um, different and innovative and ultimately impactful. So I like that you have approached this very strategically and and it sounds like with a lot of thought. Um, and I wanted to get your feedback because I was reading um, an article by Lisa Kwan called The Collaboration Blind Spot. And I'd like to read you an excerpt because to me this was really interesting. She says, here's the problem. In mandating and planning for collaborative initiatives, leaders tend to focus on logistics and processes, incentives and outcomes, and that makes perfect sense. But in doing so, they forget to consider how the groups they're asking to work together might experience the request, especially when those groups are being told to break down walls, divulge information, sacrifice autonomy, share resources, or even cede responsibilities that define them as a group. All too often, groups feel threatened by such demands, which seems to represent openings for others to encroach on their territory. So she's really talking about how collaboration is key. We have to do it. We have to think about things like logistics and processes. But there's a vulnerability there that comes with true collaboration. And that can often be our blind spot in how we approach it. So how have you and your organization in It's Time Texas, have you have you fallen into this blind spot before or how have you tried to avoid um, or or get the get to the other side of that mm-hmm. that vulnerability? Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think we've cracked the code here. I, I think the the goal is to continue to lean into this. And I, I know I sound like a broken record at this point, but this sort of more radical form of collaboration where your own self-interest, your own priorities, um, your own sort of short-term objectives um, tend to to be uh, sort of in the background, at least early on. Um, And that's risky. Uh, You know, we often talk internally about you know, our goal is to not be the hero of the story. Our goal like is to make our partners, to make our stakeholders, the folks that we serve, the folks that we walk hand in hand with, um, the heroes of the story, because they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mentioned yeah. to you uh, that, that I'm in uh, the southern part of Texas this week celebrating um, amazing community leaders and organizations and institutions that all worked together uh, to demonstrate their commitment to the health of their people and the health of our state. Um, I'm not here and they're not here uh, this week to celebrate It's Time Texas. 
we're here to celebrate them because they are the leaders of this movement here. Right. Uh, they are the leaders of this community. They are the leaders of this region. And so they are the heroes of the story that we're a part of, that we're helping to write, but it's not our story. And so um, that that's easy to say right. and very hard to do often <laughs> because there are many things that we do that uh, we will never get quote unquote credit for or that our more traditional investors look at and say, well, how do you quantify that impact? Because you empowered someone else uh, to ultimately create the impact that they had. Well, well, how do we quantify that? How do we measure that? And it's difficult, it's messy, but that's the point. I mean, social change work is messy and it is mm -hmm. difficult. And there shouldn't be uh, a, a causative um, link in all cases when you're right. doing this work, right? Um, it, it, it's correlative and, uh, and that's okay. You know, so you're suggesting, how we can get out of this blind spot, this this collaboration blind spot, is by helping our our partners, our allies feel supported because you are not taking the credit. So it's really about facilitating others' success too, and therefore that fear that comes with vulnerability kind of goes away, or you can alleviate it. But I think there's also a very real piece here that a lot of organizations are left to consider, and that is competition and it underscores mm -hmm. a lot of what we do especially in the public health sector where we are so under-resourced and it feels right. like no matter how much we try we're all fighting for that last penny and and so how have you i i know that i hear i'm hearing you say you know give back give back think about your partners and how do you balance that with the fact that you do have to sustain your organization in a real way yeah it, it's a it's a great question <laughs> And it's the challenge in this work. No, I mean, <laughs> no. I, and, and I don't think there's one right answer. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on the space that you're in. Um, it depends on sort of the competitive landscape. Um, I think, though, we too often, and I, I've used this term multiple times, uh, think about sort of the traditional uh, investment that exists as being sort of a zero-sum uh, amount, right? Yes. That there is this, yes. this sort of limited pie and we're all fighting for a, our piece of that. Right. right. And what we believe and what I believe is that when we think um, non-traditionally and we work in a very um, a purposeful uh, and intentionally collaborative way, um, we grow the pie. The, the pie becomes exponentially larger yeah. Because we're now opening ourselves up to new opportunities, to new ways of thinking, to new communities that uh, haven't historically thought about themselves as part of this, this shared, shared cause or this, this larger purpose. Um, and so, you know, I, m my belief is that, and this has been our experience thus far, is that the more you lean into this, the more opportunity it creates because um, it, it no longer becomes tr this sort of zero sum game right. where um, 
a potential collaborator is currently viewed as as a competitor. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I think that I, I actually really like that analogy a lot, growing that pie. Um, because Which I doesn't work as well for an organization that's encouraging <laughs> healthy eating, but uh, right, this so would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll edit that everything out later. In everything in moderation. <laughs> everything in moderation. Right, right. Well, and, and I think, too, it's, it is difficult when you're playing that zero-sum game. And um, and I like that that collaboration can actually foster and benefit everyone getting a bigger piece of a pie and growing that pie together versus versus sort of attacking that last piece, which is what in, in public health sector, sometimes that's where we feel like we're at. Right. Yeah. But it also let me, let me just, yeah, yeah I'm ahead. sorry if I could just make one more point. The, the awesome. other piece of that. Sorry to, to <laughs> refer back back to the, the pie analogy. The, the other <laughs> the other piece there is. Um, that it when you are 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 fully collaborative when you're when you're really leveraging partnerships and relationships when um, you, you're a distributed model like what we're encouraging and and the kind of, of approach that we're employing with its time Texas you need fewer resources because you're not having to build the infrastructure you're not having yeah. uh, to staff. Uh, you're not having to, uh, in many cases, pay for the work that's actually being done. Right. Uh, you're empowering your partner, your collaborator, that stakeholder, uh, to do their work even better, to have greater impact. And that is a very cost-effective and cost-efficient way to operate. So it's a twofer in that it creates more financial opportunity for you and your partners. Um, but it also represents a, potentially a huge cost savings because yeah. you're leveraging the assets uh, and the talents and the abilities and the perspectives and the relationships of all your partners. Yeah, I like that. Well, and it, it reminds me of a, of another podcast that I was listening to earlier this week. Um, well, probably last week, but I was listening to another podcast and a researcher and a leadership coach, her name was Rebecca Shambaugh. She actually talked about the concept of over collaboration and how sometimes in organizations we can find ourselves seeking to collaborate so much and partner with so many people that it winds up being a hindrance. We can overcommit. There's diffusion of time, diffusion of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And have you experienced that? Or how have you worked to not over collaborate and rather strategically collaborate? Yeah, I mean, that that is that's a risk for sure. And um, we have fallen victim to that at various points, you know, in our, our growth and, and development as an organization. Um, at, for us, it really starts with values. You know, um, are, are uh, the organizations, are the individuals um, that we're seeking to collaborate with, do they, do they share our values? Um, and so that becomes at least an, an initial filter. Right. Mm -hmm. And so from a str strategic standpoint, a prioritization standpoint, that's where we start. You know, who shares our vision, who shares our passion, who shares our purpose um, for this work or has uh, related concerns um, about the work that we're seeking to do is it's time Texas, who has uh, uh, needs that uh, may be non-traditional, but that 
could be closely aligned um, with our work. Um, and so that's where we start. Um, and from there, it, it really blossoms out organically to who are the early adopters or adapters um, mm -hmm. for what we're seeking to do and how we're seeking to do it, right? And so that becomes a secondary filter, right? So we want to initially work with the highly motivated because right. we don't have to spend a lot of time uh, convincing each other that this is important. What, mm -hmm. Where we focus our time is on understanding each other um, trusting one another, building that relationship, and then beginning our work together. So I, I would say that, um, yes, that is a massive risk. Um, and radical collaboration sort of lends itself to over-collaboration. But I would rather have over-collaboration um, where you're learning from, uh, you know, depending on your organization or institution, you're learning from each collaboration. It, it provides such great information um, and create so many new opportunities. I would rather have more of that uh, mm -hmm. than less of it um, because we know what happens when we have less of it, which is for the most part what we have now, right? Is right. highly competitive uh, in many ways and many fronts, a lack of real lasting progress. And so, you know, I would rather lean into a little overcorrection um, because I think it's easier to dial it back based on what you learn and be a little more selective uh, than it is to, to, to do the inverse um, when you don't have practice uh, with this approach. And it's culturally, it's not fundamental to who you are. Um, yeah, and I heard you speak last year at HCLI, and you you talked about how your approach to collaboration was not thinking first about what um, what that partner could potentially give your organization, so whether or not they were well resourced and well funded, but rather it was about where what benefit you can see, and it's okay to say no. You know, it's okay to say no to a large funder if it doesn't align with your shared mission and your goals and your values as an organization. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, uh, you know, saying no to money is difficult. Um, so how do you decide if a collaboration is right for your organization, especially if there is funding associated with it and it, it, may, it may mean saying no to a funder? Yeah. I mean, from from an investor standpoint, uh, there will come time when, if you're doing this, in my opinion, in the right way, that you're not going to be a good fit for some investors. And some investors may try to co-opt you uh, and exploit you. Yeah. Uh, and you have to be willing to walk away because at the end of the day, this has to be driven by the purpose, the larger purpose. And that's where, again, the radical and the radically collaborative comes in. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, this has to be about the larger purpose. And your focus on advancing that, or you just can't fully lean into that kind of collaboration. The, the, the inevitable what's in it for me, what do I need, um, will always trump um, your ability to be a, a really great partner 
to someone else. And so, yes, is there risk? Sure. Um, are there some organizations that can maybe do this um, more fully than others? Yes. And I, again, admittedly, uh, it's rather easy for me to talk about this as um, a, a sort of scrappy uh, startup uh, mm -hmm. nonprofit organization. And I'm not suggesting that everyone has to do it the way that we've done it. There's only one way to do quote unquote radical, radical collaboration. Um, to the contrary, what, what I'm suggesting is that we break free from these sort of traditional methods and modes of, of working and thinking, that we adopt a new paradigm that really allows us to um, see the opportunity that exists to improve what we're doing, uh, the way that we're doing it, to have greater impact, uh, to actually be more cost efficient and cost effective by really leaning into collaboration, especially with non-traditional partners. Yeah, and I think I have seen that evidenced in your work probably uh, most visibly through the Healthier Texas Summit. So I know that I went the first year and I think we had like over 800 people there. And then the yeah, second had, year, yeah, was we that had nine, a little over 900 um, the over first 900. year. And then uh, last year we had more than 1300 people from across the state. Um, right. And Texas that, is yeah. a huge place and getting people to 1300 people to convene in, in one central area is a is a huge accomplishment, especially for, as you've said, a, a scrappy startup. Right. Um, and I know last year you had the Surgeon General speak, which right. was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Karen DeSalvo uh, also spoke, and she um, she discussed this concept in her Public Health 3.0 summary of conveners of stature. And that was something that really stood out to me. And so she, she talked about how you and David Lakey sort of fill this role as a convener of stature. And it made me think about how necessary that is in collaboration to have someone or a, or a set of people or a network of people who are able to have the credibility and the trust of partners so that you can bring in more people to this network as a convener of stature. And that way, everyone is now leveraging the benefits of this big pie, right? So yeah, um, yeah. is that sort of how your approach has been? A absolutely. And, and I appreciate you bringing up the, the summit as an example. So the Healthier Texas Summit is the state's largest population and community health conference that we co-produce and co-created with our dear partners at the UT system, the University of Texas system, uh, Dr. David Lakey and his team. Uh, he, he certainly fits the convener of stature uh, tag uh, better than I do. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the vision um, of the summit was that by, uh, you know, a small scrappy startup, uh, public health nonprofit partnering with a large, very large academic institution, um, we each had our own strengths and our own perspectives, um, our own priorities. But by getting to know one another and trust one another and be deeply committed to one another as partners, um, as opposed to just you know co-producers of this event, we spent uh, about a year and a half working with Dr. Lakey and his team on what what would this what could we do with a partnership? What what could be done that's mm -hmm. novel and that's impactful and that has the potential to be transformative? And 
And so, you know, it wasn't just a, an idea that we hatched over lunch one day. We spent a lot of time working together and talking with one another and really getting to the heart of what, you know, we could do together as partners. And so, again, this goes back to, you know, for you to be successful, in my opinion, for you to be successful in, um, in, in advancing this kind of collaborative approach, you have to be willing to invest that time. You, you not only have to have the right spirit, right? So right. It starts with what's in it for the other. Um, who is the other? Understanding the other, respecting the other, valuing the other. But you have to invest time. Um, you know, great relationships take time to build. Trust takes time to build. Also wanted the creation of this event to be a model for others to think about and follow when we're using the tagline, uniting to transform health in Texas. We wanted our collaboration to actually be an example of how this work can be done. Yeah, and I think you've the, been the really impact, successful yeah. on that too, honestly. I think that <laughs> when I think about It's Time Texas, only being in, in in its second year, really in its infancy, and how you have been able to leverage all of these different sectors to buy into the concept and show up, I, I think it's really admirable. Uh, so thank you for the work that you've been doing there. Thank you for sharing your approach, because I agree those models are needed. So the, I, I really do appreciate you sharing your approach and your strategic uh, planning uh, here today with collaboration. And this has really been a wonderful conversation. I know I have learned a lot. You've inspired me. I, I really like uh, your non-traditional approach to creating collaboration, to leadership, and how to leverage our partnerships uh, into less of a partnership and more of an allyship, right? So thank That's you so right. much for being here today, Baker. See you next time. Thank you, Dr. Harrell, for joining us on this week's episode of Anecdotal Evidence. It's given me a lot to think about on how AIDPH can create more radical collaboration in our multi-sector partnerships. I also want to take a second to thank some of our collaborators, including the Health Resources and Services Administration, who supports this podcast, the American Association of Public Health Dentistry, the Academy for Academic Leadership, and many other federal partners who participate in our internships and annual colloquium. Speaking of our annual colloquium, if you're looking for ways to expand your network and collaborate with new and innovative partners, you may find what you're looking for during our annual conference. Our 2020 colloquium in January of next year will focus on the social determinants of oral health policy visit www.aidph.org to learn more and add yourself to our listserv if you want to stay updated on registration. Next week, we'll be talking about public health mentorship with Dr. Carl Hayden and Dr. Caswell Evans. Thanks for tuning in to Anecdotal Evidence. I'm your host, Annalise Cothran, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>